You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. This is Sajjad Ayyub. This is Sajjad Ayyub and Sheikh Ibrahim Skatema. Discourse 9, The Worship of the Free. In your book, on Discourse 9, again, we explore the idea of submission and the idea of a leap of interfaith, of going out into the unknown. You know, a middle-class family, two and a half children, two cars in the driveway, nice middle-class family with a nice house. Can you expand from there? Is this a plan that we've thought up? Well, I, th- I think that is true. I think it is a plan that we've thought up, and it's, it's actually not a very satisfying plan. It's quite a miserable one. Mm. Um, you know, if we, if we look at how we, we orientate young adults into their lives, um, uh, you know, it's sort of, um, uh, we, we, we will only accept them accepting only uh, assets and a pension. Um, and, um, uh, you know, there's a, and people pursue that because they buy the, they, I mean, most of us uh, buy that program. Uh, we think that happiness is on the other end of this uh, sort of, uh, sort of happy nest of um, children and, and, and success and all of that. And so we pursue that and we sacrifice for that. We do get the trophy career and the trophy spouse and dare I say the miserable to- trophy children because for them to be our trophies we have to do such violence to their lives that they don't feel like they have them. So I just want to be an artist but I mean no you can't be an artist you've got to be an engineer. You know, so, so uh, and, and I'll write you out of my inheritance if you don't become one. <laughs> or a doctor. We we sort of frank people at or a doctor yes yes yeah not a shopkeeper like me mm. uh, so we, we aim people at this life which we think is the good life you know and we have all been aimed at what our parents thought was the good life and the, the that good life then ended uh, ends us up at uh, you know in our our forties forties to fifties. Um, having achieved that stuff, so you do have the trophy spouse, you do have the trophy children, you do have two nice cars in the garage, and you do have the uh, um, the holiday home on the Bodrum coast, and you you wake up morning with this unbelievably kind of d- sort of heavy sense of dread, f- you know, f- f- feeling that you know. I, 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 this isn't scratching my, my itch. There's, I'm, I'm deeply miserable. You know, we had an expression in South Africa, you still sometimes hear it. I think it's a very charming expression. You know, what does the fox terrier do when it catches the Volkswagen? So what does the little dog do when it finally catches the car it's been chasing down the road for like years? Hmm. Well, actually, the, he doesn't have a clue. I mean, what do you try and chew the tires? What do you do? So, so when you finally caught this trophy life of yours, what good does that do for you? Um, because what you suddenly discover 
is that in the pursuit of this life, you've exercised exactly the opposite skill that is actually fundamentally useful to you uh, in being alive. I mean, you've exercised a skill at accumulation, at accretion, at laying up of stuff. And one can look at this way of engaging your life and being orientated to your life as having what you can call a receding view of time. So you kind of, you're saying, well, I was born and then as I grew, I accumulated more, I'm getting more, I'm achieving more. There's basically more and more of me as I get older and older. Mm. Then at some point in your life, you realize, hold on, that isn't true. If this is my whole life, there isn't more of me as I get older and older. Actually, there's less and less of me. Every moment that I'm alive is not actually an opportunity to accumulate yet something else. It actually requires me to hand over something, to lose something. To give up, there's not more of me as I get older, there's less of me as I get older. I mean, obviously, there's less of you. Every moment that you have is not a moment you'll have again. It's expended, it's gone. There's fewer and fewer moments left as you. In other words, the real skill of being alive isn't a skill of, of accumulation, it's a skill, of, it's a skill of loss. And the problem with the, the grand bourgeois aspiration is that it puts you completely at sea with being able to. to exercise that skill of lost you know it, 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 so so in fact the skill of loss presents itself as completely irrational to people of that world you know they see somebody who for instance is willing to kind of you know i don't know uh spend long periods of time in prayer or or spend time in seclusion in Khalwa. And I think, but this guy's nuts. I mean, you know, what a waste of a life. You know, um, uh, it appears the, the endeavor of to give or submit seems completely bizarre to people of the grand acquisition. They, they see it as something incomprehensible. So, so this, to discover who you really are, to discover, to explore the truth of your life, that you are not a being accumulating, you're not a be being laying up, you're a be being that's being stripped off, that the real skill that you, the real kind of uh, competency you need to develop is a competency in loss and not a competency in, in, in accumulation, that 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 is something that needs you to leap out of the safety and the security the illusory safety and security of this um the socially agreed on good life uh um now it's very important that i make this point this doesn't give you license to abandon your family and to run out it's just saying, don't ask your family to bear the burden of your himma, of your desire, of your aspiration. You see, we sort of, because they cannot. The human heart has been made for one thing only, and that is for the Rabb. This is a huge aspiration. This is about as heavy a charge as anything can bear. And what do we do? We go and put that heavy weight, that heavy um, aspiration, on something as brittle as 
you know, two kids in a house in, in Kent. I mean, it's, it's, it cannot sustain it. You know, the, no, no created thing can sustain the weight of deep human aspiration because deep human aspiration is for the Rob, which means you'll break it. it you'll either break it or it'll break you. It, it, it's not sustainable. Hmm. And so what happens when we hit our midlife? The first thing we do is we blame our disquiet, our sense of disturbance on the life. Oh, you see, it must be her. She's made me miserable. With these children of mine, I mean, really, you know, I mean, if only they're the one become an engineer, you know, or, or, or you know, well, well, I mean, I do have a, I do have a Honda in the garage, but I would much prefer a Mercedes Benz, you know, I mean, so, so whatever it is, there's like a dis dissatisfaction with it. And we think that that dissatisfaction is going to, going to go away by either changing it, you know, forcing him to become an engineer, you know, getting rid of the wife because science has become a bit pudgy in her middle age and, you know, I get something a little bit more sleek, uh, you know, whatever you, whatever you do to the world outside of yourself, or vice that versa. doesn't scratch the itch. Yeah, or vice versa, yes, indeed. That's, um, yeah. Sometimes they get rid of you. <laughs> I must tell you, that's happened to me a few times in my life. It's a miserable experience. <laughs> yeah, so you break the thing. You break that if you think that this thing of the, the bourgeois dream, that, that that image with the, the two little kids, the picket fence in the house and the car, and you know, that that thing's gonna make this happy, it isn't. And if you put the, this thing's need, the thing of your, your heart's need on top of that thing, your heart's need is so heavy, it'll break it. You'll end up dissatisfied and you'll end up destroying that thing. So you'll either leave the, the get out of the marriage, you'll either, you know, Unless you reorientate your life and you get out of the illusory garden, this 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 little sort of postage sign stamp of lawn that you think contains happiness, because that doesn't contain happiness. Happiness is everything but that. You have to get out of that garden. You have to get out of that normal life. How, how do you do that? What does one do? How does one reorientate oneself? If you're so down deep into that abyss. Yeah. Well, I think you need to start developing competency in navigating the space, the, the reality that sits behind your eyes. You need to start doing inner work. I think one of the, the, the things that I've really tried to kind of um, make a, a, almost a theme in my life or a cause in my life is to convince people of the legitimacy of inner work. You know, and inner work includes your salah, it includes your soul, it includes your. Uh, you know, it includes your zakah, it includes, but it is more than that. It is getting up for tahajjud. 
It is learning how to meditate. It is doing whatever you need to do to break the habit of your goal-orientated approach to things, to make your endeavor, as much of your day-to-day -day endeavor, not stuff in front of your eyes, achievements in front of you, but exploration behind your eyes, on the inside. You know, and that's very doable work, and that work that we as people of Tassuf have got quite a, um, a, a, a body of tools and techniques for that we've actually shamelessly stolen from every anybody else. So, uh, you know, um, we've, we, we really have, we have quite an eloquent sort of deck of cards that we can play in this, uh, in this endeavor. We, you know, we really do have to start giving the making deliberate work of doing inner work. Uh, that's how you get out of this. And until you start doing it, you'll stay unhappy. This is gonna be you know, it's amazing how much of your disquiet. I was going to say it's it's amazing that you know now in the time of Ramadan that we've got listeners mm. and viewers as well. What are, those mm. things are very very important during Ramadan, and how do they continue that after Ramadan? What how do they fixate themselves? What systems can they put in place? to take them out because the mortgage, the bills, all these things, the family, the children, these things will get, you know, they're real, this is real life. No, well, I think we're actually contending the opposite here. Mm. This isn't real life, this right. is fantasy. <laughs> what is real? What is the, so, so, you know, it doesn't do it for real. Mm. You know, your, your endeavor, you do things to, 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 to achieve something, to have a sense of fullness. But how many of these things don't just make you more anxious, make you more, more give you a greater sense of disquiet? Mm. And miserably, very often, the, the more you get of the... So, okay, let, so let, let's say you've, you've actually managed to pay the mortgage. Mm. And your wife drives down the road and she sees, but that's a really nice, wouldn't it be nice? Because that house has got an extra sunroom, you see. Or, and so, 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 so you back into the mortgage. You know, and, and when's this going to end? At what point is it going to end? Where are you, when are the accumulations going to be enough? You know, surely if you caught somebody who is deeply, or found somebody who's deeply thirsty and they, were, they, they had salt water and they were drinking the salt water, you would say to them, listen, this stuff that you're drinking, this is an illusion. This is not going to make your, this is not make your thirst go away. It's going to make it worse. Mm. Because let's assume that it may be even worse. You didn't get the bigger house. You kept the old house so that you can mortgage that to somebody else or rent that to somebody else so that you can now have two houses. Which means that you now have two houses to lose. What's more difficult to lose? Two things or one thing? You know, this, so the more things we own, the more things that we are going to lose. So this idea that this steady accumulation of stuff actually addresses the problem of our need for a sense of security. And that, that's the thing that's sitting underneath what you're saying. You know, the reality of it, it just doesn't. It actually makes it worse. You know, we have this thing that our assets secure us. You know, it's uh, like, like if you have, you know, if... Uh, 
I don't know if I've used this metaphor before in, a, in any of the, please stop me if I haven't, I don't want to bore anybody, but um, this thing of your house being the source of your security, you know, that, uh, um, uh, did we speak about this? No, no. I can't no. remember. No, we haven't, right. We might have done it personally, but, yeah. you know, so let's assume this wonderful house that you're in now, that you've actually, because in most cultures, by the way, people do think that their house makes them secure. You know, if I've paid off the mortgage and I have the title due to the house in my own sort of safe, I'm secure. Yeah. But if you consider what, what does the word security mean? What does something promise to do for you if it promises to make you secure? Well, the first thing it promises to do is to protect you. The security industry protects people, right? So if you say your house is going to be secure, you're saying my house is going to protect me. Okay, so let's assume you've got a couple of South Africans living in your street and they really, I mean, they, they're not nice people. I mean, I know I am one. So, and you, you're coming home this afternoon from work. I've got four. Uh, and uh, um, the, uh, you, you, you've got four, you're surrounded by them. <laughs> right, okay, be careful. So, so one of them is likely to be a bad one because there's quite a few of them. So as you as you walk as you're walking to your front door this afternoon, the bad South African leaps up from behind a bush and he beats you to within an inch of your life. This is the most unbelievable assault. I mean, it's a really vicious attack. You know, I don't think your house is gonna rush to your defense. I don't think your house is gonna throw a brick at the South African and say, hey, you can't beat him, he's my boss. So this idea that we have that our, our assets protect us is just nuts. Because you, you're ascribing to this thing some kind of volition. You're saying this thing has undertaken a custodial responsibility with regard to me. You know, that's what something that protects me promises to do. It accepts a custodial responsibility. If there's a, a disaster aimed at me, it will rush to my defense. There's not a single asset that you have that will rush to your defense when a catastrophe is, is, is aimed at you. You know, so... So this idea that your things protect you is nuts. This idea that your security is to be laid at the door of your things is insane. You know, you can't accumulate yourself into being more secure. You actually accumulate yourself into the opposite. Because, so we say you didn't get assaulted by the South African, right? But you did upset him. And when you were away at work, he invades your house and he completely vandalizes your house. I mean, the most shocking kind of experience, you know, the most obscene graffiti on the walls, cement in the plumbing, smashed glassware. I mean, it's just the most shocking thing. You arrive home this afternoon to your vandalized house. Will you be cross? You will be cross. You know, so consider this. Who's there to look after you? Are you there to look after the house or is the house there to look after you? You know, clearly you're there to look after the house. So while not a single asset that you have has ever admitted a custodial responsibility with regard to you, you've admitted a custodial responsibility with regard to every one of your assets. Which means to say, while your house won't rush to your defense when you're, the disaster is about to hit you, you will rush to your house's defense when the disaster is about to hit it. So quite literally, you don't accumulate yourself into being secure, you accumulate yourself into being insecure. Because the more things you own, and they have the more things the South Africans can take away from you. So this, this, uh, this endeavor, this aspiration that we have, that we think is going to give us the good life, and it's one populated by assets and things and significance and 
this is this is a, a mirage. In fact, it's worse than a mirage because it does exactly the opposite. You know, um, I mean, the mirage just doesn't give you water, but this is the opposite. It actually makes you more thirsty. This is salt water for the thirst, not illusion for the thirst. Um, we, the, our, our, our sort of bourgeois. Uh, uh, lifestyle and and aspirations, middle class aspiration, is deeply toxic for our souls, and 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 doesn't satisfy us. That doesn't mean to say you don't have the car and you don't have the house, but you don't make that thing carry your himma. You don't make that thing carry your, your fundamental aspiration. You 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 know you, because it cannot and it'll break, and leave you disappointed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> What what is faith? I think so. Again, let's just go back to. I mean, you used the English word. You didn't use the word iman. You used the word faith. So I'm going to stick with, you know, Germanic languages because I, I also speak Afrikaans, another Germanic language. Faith basically and trust are related ideas. I mean, if you if you uh, so in. Um, uh, to believe and to trust in Zulu is exactly the same word. It's, it's Ugutemba. You know, it's the same word. Um, so belief and trust are the same. And the point about trust is that it's a future-orientated idea. I trust things will go well. I trust you won't do me in. I trust, so when we use the word trust, when we engage trust, we are looking forward to the future. Now, let's assume that everything, in my view, everything that's happened up to me to this point has been uh, uh, unjust, uh, brutal, and, and, and uh, kind of damaging to me. If that is my conviction, if I think that everything that has gone prior to this moment has been bad, on what basis do I have to look forward with trust? Hmm. I cannot look forward with trust. So to have faith, to look forward with trust, has to mean that you are basing this on, on the opposite of resentment, the opposite of victimhood. You know, so if I look at the past and I see that I have received in excess of my due mm. and I'm therefore grateful, I then have the material to look forward with trust and faith. I then know that things will go well, whether or not I personally can account for them going well. You know, so to, to have faith and not to be grateful is a contradiction in terms. You can, you know, you cannot, you, you, these two things can't sit together. You know, and and so there's a there's a there's a there's volumes of implications to this. The one is that any nar victim narrative is unsustainable. It's just not. It's, 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 it is. It's inconsistent with believer. Because if you have a victim narrative, 
then you're saying it's all been bad and it's all been done to destroy me. So but on what basis then do you have to look forward with trust? We've described, we've said this before, kufr isn't just a lack of belief in Allah. Kufr is also defined as ingratitude. Mm. On the basis of your gratitude, you trust. On the basis of your looking, that, affirming that you've received in excess of your due, you can look forward at life with a sense of good expectation from your Rabb. There's a last point I want to make about this. So this also demonstrates why any narrative that is concerned with um, conspiracy is nonsense. The Zionist conspiracy, the, the whatever you want, the, the Illuminati, however you view them, who says these people are in charge of history? They're not in charge of history. Allah's in charge of history. You know, so, you know, the, uh, and if they have machinations, the same thing happen, will happen to them as what happens to you when you have machinations. They will walk into a pole because he will make them walk into a pole. So this thing that we've really cultivated as Muslims today, which is to have this cynicism of the world around us and thinking about all these conspiracies, these dark conspiracies, this is naive. I mean, it's, it belies our faith. Mm. Such an interesting topic. Thank you so much for that. And we're now taking a break and you can join us back shortly. Thank you once again. Listeners, you are listening to Millennium Discourses. We will be back tomorrow with another topic. We would like to thank Etzko Skatema. Till tomorrow, Allah Hafiz. Allah Hafiz.